The League of Women Voters and the Recording Library of West Texas present Tall City Elections. Here are your hosts, Abby Wiggum and Trish Spate. Welcome to another episode of Tall City Elections podcast. I'm Abby and this is Trish. With us in the studio today, we have EJ. Would you like to say hi, EJ? Hi, everybody. EJ Baldridge, forgive me. He is running for District 3 City Council. This program is dedicated to providing information about the upcoming local elections as we make it accessible to our listeners who are visually impaired. The Tall City Elections 2019 podcast is a collaboration between the Recording Library of West Texas and the League of Women's Voters. We want to thank all of our supporters for helping us make this possible. So, EJ, I'm so glad that you're here with us today. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much. Let's start with some of the basics. Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you come from, what your credentials are, and why you're running. All right. So I was raised here in Midland. I wasn't born here. I was born in Leveland. But we came here as fast as we could. Family's been here, God, I think since the train dropped us off and forgot about us. And my family's got kind of a history of, of some, you know, working with the city. I had a grandfather who was district attorney and just ownership of the city, I guess. So I moved back after graduating in 2015 and immediately started putting down roots. I mean, I love it here. I'm here till I die. And Graduated uh, from? I went to Duke University okay. in North Carolina. But um, I think it was good I went there because I was gone long enough to miss Midland and to come back. And I'm here for good. So I just got real involved. I took a bunch of like those education, like Leadership Midland with the Chamber. I took the Generations course with mm-hmm. Nonprofit Management Center. And then I did Midland 101 through the city, which they're actually opening up for applications right now. Just when, do you know plug. when they start? Is it like a spring? Starting yeah, it's, spring? it's like a semester. It's like, I think it's six weeks and it's one week a month. Cool. Or like one day. One day a month. One day a month, yeah. <laughs> right. It, it was not, you, you, they kind of do one department mm-hmm. of the city. It was just really neat to get to know. There's a lot of kind of unsung heroes at the city that you don't think about. Like when I turn on my faucet, I don't think about how much goes into cleaning that water to get it to us. Right. And anyway, and then I, um, so kind of from that, you know, you get involved in one thing and everyone tells you to do something. Networking (laughs) or yes, you get voluntold. (laughs) And so I got put on uh, the MOUTD, which is the Easy Rider board. And I love that. I think it's great. We work with Odessa and on it is Charlotte Hotchkiss, who currently has District 3. So she made an aside comment about how she wasn't going to get, you know, look for a third, for her third term. And that, she, you know, she kind of said, oh, EJ, you should, you should think about it. So I immediately told her no. <laughs> but I got to thinking about it and I love Midland and I want to help put the foundation in place for the Midland, like my children and grandchildren are going to grow up in. Yeah. I'm not running because I think there's all these things that are horrible, but I do think there's things we can do better. So kind of my main focus is, to get to that, I'm sure that's a question coming up, is uh, transparency. I think a lot of people in, that are elected expect the people who elected them to come to them instead of going to the people who elect you. So I just want to be, you know, approachable. That's why That's why I put my cell phone on my, on my mailers and everything. So that's been good and bad. That's brave. Yeah, can that's can you explain brave. that a little bit, the cell so, phone thing? To our listeners. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I just, my I've, my number, my email, everything I've got is accessible. I just want people to be able to, con- I mean, 
we're a community, Midlands community. I want people to feel like they, they know who I am and are able to talk to me and air their concerns, however big or small. Because, you know, if there's anything, sometimes at the city we don't know what's what the problem is until we're told. So I just want to make sure everyone can contact me however they like. So I put my hat in the ring and then four other people did. <laughs> there are a lot of y'all and you're all under the age of 40, I think. We are. And I think that's great. There's kind of like a, a generational shift happening in Midland. And there's a lot of young people moving back. I don't know if you know this, the average age in Midland's 32. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little younger than that. But again, I'm, I mean, I'm here forever. I want, I'm putting down roots. Sometimes, you know, I definitely don't have the experience someone with more age has, but I do have the, the drive and the energy. And I think combining that with some of the more older people on city council is like a good, you know, like it'll be a good meeting of the minds. Like there's the way we've always done stuff and in some ways that works. And then there's also new ideas, new ways to go about thinking of, of solutions. I'm going to back up just a little bit when we're talking about you and you went to Duke. Do you, are you a homeowner in district three? I am. Okay. I live and you have, on a, a show. you have a business in Midland? Or? So I work for my family. It's a funny story, but it all basically goes back to got laid off in 2015 the plan was always like when my, my father's a lot older to kind of retire him and take over. But 2015 happened and I love it. It's the last job I'll ever have. Cool. Not looking to get promoted. It's a small independent exploration production company. Um, and that's one of the reasons I'm able to run and consider it. You have a little extra, you can, you're, yeah. you're in charge of your own time. Uh, yeah. I work for family. I just don't have a, I have a lot more flexibility now than I maybe anticipate when I have children Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you, you live in District 3. Um, what are some of your favorite things about your district? All right. My favorite drive in town is Scarborough Draw, kind of between, what is that, golf course and A Street right there. You know where all those pecan trees are? Pecan trees, are? yeah. One of the things I always talk about is um, just because I want to invest in infrastructure and make it work doesn't mean it doesn't have to be look nice. And Scarborough Draw is my, like, favorite example. I'm biased. I live on Scarborough Draw. But uh, just because it has to serve for flood runoff doesn't mean we can't also designate it as a park and invest a little bit in it. I, I love that. District 3 has a great community, I think. I, I think because we all live kind of close together. There's no new development happening. Halloween's coming up, and I live on Shell, and my block has, like, old school, like, People are making hot dogs and popcorn, and people come from all over town to, to trick-or-treat in our neighborhood, and I, I think that's really neat. Man, there's so many things I love about District 3. It is, the District 3 is old Midland. Yeah. It is, I mean, when I first moved back here 20 years ago, I was like, is there an old, old Midland to me was like. The Scarborough Library House. Yeah, like, <laughs> like well, maybe even the neighborhood, like the uh, Museum of Southwest, like that. Mid That's old in Midland to me, but and I didn't realize. Hey, I grew up in Old Midland, <laughs> um, but times change. So, let's talk about City Council. What's a priority for you? A priority issue. Sorry. I mean, priority issue for me is infrastructure. I think we're kind of distracting ourselves from our infrastructure, from our roads, by talking about housing. And don't get me wrong; they do kind of come hand in hand. And I don't mean to diminish the, the the housing crisis we're having. But I think our infrastructure is more important. 
And I think that's holding us back from development. We recently passed impact fees. Now, I don't I don't love taxes, but uh, for so long, the existing homeowners have been shouldering the burden of building these new roads to these new developments while our roads are falling apart. City water, you know, we're held back by a water treatment built in the 40s and 50s and designed for a town half our size. And that's kind of why we have this annual flush, and that's why we have all these kind of infrastructure issues. I mean, we all know how to get home from work on a day when it's not rained and on a day when it has rained. And part of that's because our storm runoffs just decay. I mean, there's a time – we've just ignored routine maintenance so long it's it's become to where the only option is you dig it up and replace it. And so not only do I want to make the commitment of fully fully funding our road – like our road maintenance budget, but also continue that commitment long term. I mean this isn't something like with the road bond that we can do once and ignore for another 20 years. We need to make the recurring investment every year. So having said that, so we can talk about housing for a minute because your other candidates, everybody's talking about it, mayoral candidates included, everybody's talking about that. Do you have any thoughts on the processes at the city for permitting and zoning and all that? I have a lot of thoughts. Go ahead. I, I'm a uh, I'm a zoning and like building code nerd. <laughs> I am. I'm on the zoning board of adjustments, but it all kind of started. I accidentally took a class in college. It was misnamed. I love it. Accidentally, <laughs> I did. Um, it was misnamed, and uh, it ended up being just about building codes and how a lot of building or a lot of towns in America have the same basic basic building code, but it's not. Midland's unique, right? Like we've got our own issues and our own problems and our own, you know, great things happening for us in a building code that helps cities in California and Maine and Florida doesn't necessarily do us a ton of justice. There's a lot of ways we can cut onerous building codes without taking away safety uh, that just kind of make the the permitting and all the different stuff you have to do while you're building go a lot faster. Frankly, I think city council kind of needs to get out of the way in a lot of ways. We do have a a, uh, a zoning board, but it can only make recommendations to city council. So city council, whose job is primarily budget, spends a lot of their time doing zoning work. We have this board of people who are really qualified that we kind of have defanged, and that's just inefficient. So it means if you're a builder, you only have two days a month the second and fourth Tuesdays when you can get anything passed. There's just a lot of hurry up and wait, and that's not helping us. I mean, the city just needs to protect the citizens and then get out of the way and let the developers do what they do best. So let's let's take a turn here. What are your thoughts about like sanitation and recycling in the city? Do you think that any improvements can be made? Is that a priority or is it not a priority? Oh, isn't this a great topic? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I serve on Keep Millen Beautiful. So don't get me wrong. I love – I recycle and all that. I do support city councils pulling like the recycling bins from the college and stuff like that. I was raised here. I was raised over by Fannin. And um, I may have gotten in the habit of sometimes using recycling bins as overflow garbage bins. Yeah. There's a lot of problems with that. Yeah. I, I do want recycling, like paper recycling at our schools. They, they produce a lot of paper and I do miss that. But because you can only do go to the Citizens Collection Center, Butts Recycling, and the dump to recycle now, our contamination 
when they have to throw away a whole truckload of recycling has gone way down and they can actually make money on recycling. And I think a lot of that is just if you've ever been to the Citizens Collection Center up on Veteran Air Park, you have to drive past a guard. Yeah. And so it makes you very person there watching. They don't you don't want to do it wrong. Yeah. You you feel like there's eyes on. Yeah. Even if it's not there to enforce things. Right. But it's the presence of having someone there. Can you see a day when Midland recycles uh, curbside? Oh, that'd be great. I'd like us to be able to actually put everything in one blue bin and recycle. Right now, we're only able to recycle a couple of plastics, paper, and cardboard. But that requires a big a big upgrade on our, our recycling capabilities. And uh, that's just – I don't know if that – that's going to have to be something that's solved in partnership with for-profit, non-profit, and the city government. I, don't, I just don't think that's something that the city will be able to shoulder by itself. That, that would be something in the future, like long-term vision, absolutely. I also would like to stop fighting with my neighbors about who uses more dumpster space. But That's funny. <laughs> oh, in my neighborhood, it's also a problem people who don't even live in my neighborhood because we're close to a highway. I live on Scarborough yeah. Draw. You'd think I'm collecting used mattresses. <laughs> and, and the sanitation workers do a great job. It's a tough job with not a lot of appreciation. One of my things is I love efficiency. I studied economics, and that's four years. That's my favorite word is efficiency. And I want to get in city council and trim a lot of fat and kind of loosen up some money to focus elsewhere. One of the things I want is the city needs to provide its core services the highest caliber possible, which is take away your trash, give you your clean water, and get rid of your not clean water to keep you safe. And it needs to provide those at the highest caliber. And so to do that, you're going to have to fund it better. And then the other stuff that they don't do as well that maybe aren't core services, maybe the city shouldn't be in it. Maybe not. I mean, I just think Midland doesn't tolerate inefficiency. We don't we don't have enough people out here for you to have just a lot of waste. Yet in our city, we sometimes do. And I'd like to see that trimmed off. Okay, so EJ, what are your thoughts on the vacancies within the police and fire departments? Oh, there's lots of reasons why, and there's lots of potential solutions. Um, I think really where the city can help solve them is by paying our public safety officers a more competitive salary that helps compensate for the cost of living here, getting out of the way of developers so they can build I'm an economics guy. You build more places to live, the cost comes down a bit. As a community, I think in light of the, the tragedy on Labor Day, we've really gotten behind our for our first responders in a way we haven't in a long time. I think we've taken advantage of them a little bit. And then we got to get creative. The fire department does a really neat thing where they're, with their scheduling. So they schedule, I think it's like you work your 24, 48 hours back to back and then you're done for the week. That lets them – bring in employees from all over the place, El Paso, Big Spring, Weatherford. Optimally, yes, your first responders live in town, but to shore up vacancies in the short term, I'd like to see, I don't know if this if the police are able to, but I'd like to see the police be able to schedule it like that. So at the very least, we can fill vacancies during the day with people because I'd love to see tr- some traffic laws enforced. Like, yes. like um, I don't that know would when. Be nice. I just got off the loop. <laughs> I don't know when school zones became optional, mm-hmm. but I feel like the crazy person going twenty miles an hour through them. So, so do you think that some of that traffic traffic issues, which 
we could call that, with noncompliance with laws has to do with shortage of officers? I think so. I mean, I know I drive a lot better when there's a policeman behind me. Me too. I smiled too. I smile at him and was like, hi. <laughs> I keep both hands. I don't, I'm not going to smile and wave. I keep my hands between and two. <laughs> and you're not talking, right? Or no. texting. No uh, texting no. while driving. <laughs> I can barely walk and text. I'm not about to drive and text. I had a flip phone till a couple months ago, so. Wow. It was great. Was it a razor? It, no, it's not a razor. They're bringing those back now. I just had a problem turning off from work, and I would check my email obsessively, so I got rid of the temptation. Then I, it was made very clear to me I either get an iPhone or a new job, and my campaign manager let me know how much stuff is available on, on your smartphone. So like it or not, I have an iPhone again. Welcome. Welcome <laughs> to our world. Okay, so you mentioned that you work with Easy Rider quite a bit, right? What What's the name of the board? It's or? MOUTD, Midland Odessa Urban Transit District. Okay. But you know it is the Easy Rider. Uh, it's the governing board for it. Awesome. Well, so a lot of our listeners rely on public transportation, and a lot of them actually we hear about some of the difficulties that they run into. It takes them hours to get to and from work and it takes them multiple stops. What are your thoughts on how we can improve that? You're the expert. I have so many thoughts. Um, some of them are short-term, mid-term, long-term. Um, I agree. I actually ride Easy Rider now. We've gotten better. We've got a great staff in place, and that's taken a while. Part of that's Midland Odessa. Like Easy Rider is a unique bus system. It covers two cities, which not a lot do, and it's both rural and urban. So you've got like West Texas opportunities. You've got – we go out to Greenwood-ish. There's a lot of, of blue water, I guess. There's a lot of potential with our bus system. Part of the problem is just like everything else, it's competing with oil and gas. So you train a bus driver. You have to go to them a CDL, and then they'll make three, four times that working for an oil company. Same with mechanics. So we've really focused on – in-house only doing preventative maintenance. So you'll notice the rides get a lot smoother moving forward. And then the big maintenance stuff we actually send up to Lubbock now. Don't get me wrong, we'd love to support local business, but they're so backlogged with oil and gas stuff and they're a lot more expensive than going up to Lubbock. And you're all about efficiency, I love right? efficiency. <laughs> I get tattooed on my forehead <laughs> if my mom would let me. <laughs> but uh, there's some stuff we're doing to make the ride for everyone better. Um, I know paratransit's had a lot of issues and paratransit is one that is heartbreaking when it does the drivers in paratransit are very dedicated and great but their hands are tied don't get me wrong i've heard stories where people get dropped off hours before their shift starts and they're not they either get off then or they ride around and it's like a refusal of service so we're putting a lot more focus on paratransit uh, Willie Barber's on our board, and he's very passionate advocate for paratransit. That's been great. At times, he's you know screaming in an empty room about it, and that's that's unfortunate. But paratransit is we're really working on our, our response times, like fifteen minutes from your window on either side of when we say we'll pick you up. A lot of it is just training the whole workforce of Easy Rider to make that a priority. I have a question. Yeah. Is is there anything that we can do as citizens to 
just to help in this <laughs> is it area? Ju- do you feel like it's a manpower shortage issue or is it just that there hasn't been enough money spent on making that system as good as it could be oh yes is my answer um it's a lot of factors a lot, lot of problems well, um yeah. switching back to regular bus not paratransit when we put it in place 15 years ago or so, Midland was a very different place. So each route we have is actually a one-hour loop. That's really inefficient. There are some routes that are very popular, like overflowing buses, mm-hmm. and then there are some routes that are very empty. I have a habit of driving through the parts of town where the buses are very empty. So I just think, why is the city spending this money? No one uses the bus. There are some parts of town where the bus is very heavily used. Um, So what we're doing, because it's government, nothing goes fast, is we're actually having a uh, third-party consultant come to tell us what we all know. Problem is it's federal government that you get. So we get funding from the city. Both Midland and Odessa match each other. And then the state and the Federal Transportation Authority. Federal government, you know, tax dollars at work, want a special consultant that costs a lot to tell you things you know. But with that, with this, and we budgeted for it and applied for grants for it, and we'll we'll have it done this year. It'll tell us what we know, which routes and which places that we stop at are the most highly used, so that we can actually redesign our routes better. So it's not a one-hour loop. Because if you've ever um, missed your bus, it's very fun. You sit there for an hour. And Midland has one or two nice days a year. The rest of the time, you're sitting in the blazing sun. There aren't benches at every bus stop. There's oh, the wind. The wind. Yeah. Or it's cold. <laughs> the bus stop on Wadley and Midland by Texas Burger. They've turned. We've turned over a shopping cart to sit on. I oh, hate that. Yeah, that's bad. I mean, and slowly, it, it costs a lot to equip those uh, mm-hmm. shelters and stuff. Yeah. Like it, it's again, federal government. Everything is ridiculously expensive. Is there? Um, have y'all pursued? Would it, or could you even see that it would be feasible to pursue private funding in the form of advertising? Like you'll get this oh, if yes. you will help us build this shelter, we will advertise your company. Thank you. I've been. That's my big thing. Yes. So I don't know if you know this, but a bus is a like a mobile billboard. It is. Um, Easy Rider tried for a long time to have like a media and advertising person in house. Everyone in Midland wants one in-house. There's, It's hard to keep them. They're mm-hmm. very mobile. Um, so we actually put out an RFQ or no RFP. Re- RFP, Re- request for Re- proposal. Yeah, request for pro- – thank you. Asking for all these different advertising companies in Midland to, to do it. And what they'll be able to do is they get kind of a cut mm-hmm. of it for – being the middleman and getting us in contact with the people who want to advertise. Yeah, because you could wrap the buses. And, oh, yeah. yeah. And it's something we've been missing out on a lot of money for yeah, years. Yeah, I think I would think there would be a lot of money. Um, and we bought 10 benches where the backs are lit and really nice. I mean, we're, we're slowly coming into the 20th century still. Easy Rider's got a lot to go, but there's a really passionate board on it, not just me. And Midland and Odessa people, we're working together really well. We really support it. Give me 10 hours and I'll still talk about it. So, Well, no, that makes us feel better because when people are asking us questions, they want to make it better too. the users and the people who depend on it for work and, and everything. And paratransit especially, too. We hear a lot about that. But I think that advertising, that just occur, has occurred to me a lot when you oh, see yeah. people standing outside in the rain 
or the horrible sandstorm, that it would be really nice if uh, they had an enclosure. So we're we're getting there. We're building. As we improve the quality of the system for riders, it'll gain popularity. You know, everything kind of will grow hand in hand, and that's what we're really doing, putting the foundation in place. They just hired a new general manager, has a whole new... I mean, we're real excited. So, and he's cool. he's here. I mean, he's here till forever. So, we're not worried he'll, you know, see greener pastures elsewhere and leave. He's really dedicated. So, this is really encouraging for me to hear. So, and I'm sure it is for all of our listeners. Too. That's very exciting. Yeah, I love it, man. That's awesome. Okay, EJ. So, how do you plan to involve residents in the decision making process in our town? Can you see it? Like other, you're being very transparent with your phone number and your email and everything. Do you would you like hold a little district town hall or? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like go. I mean, there's not many public places. I would say there's not many restaurants or anything. Well, there's a few, um, in your district. If you look but, at me, I clearly eat out a lot. <laughs> so, no, that's a good thing. Midland people like to eat out. I'm very much that way, and I'm approachable. I like talking to people. I know it's been tried in the past to move city council meetings to 5 p.m. So that or 6 p.m. So like Odessa does in the evenings, attendance really isn't all that much better, to be completely honest. But two city council, I've been going to city council meetings now for a year and two city council meetings ago, they started live streaming them on Facebook, which is a step in the right direction. I think a lot of it is just I have like as elect if I get elected, I have to come to the people in Midland, I can't expect them to call me with questions. I need to be proactive in letting them know what's going on and Facebooking. And I mean, if it's a, a little newsletter, I know Tom Craddock sends a newsletter every year that just says what all he or every other year, what all he accomplished in the Texas legislature for us and just making sure everyone justifying why I got elected, I guess. So you could always tweet. I could. <laughs> I'm going to try one. Let's just do one platform at a time. Facebook's <laughs> where I'm starting. Got it. <laughs> so when we've been talking to all the candidates for city council and mayor, um, one thing that came up recently, well, there's there's two, uh, two more issues I wanted to ask you about that have come up recently. And one was discussion about the senior center. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yes. And I've received a lot of emails about this. I mean, people in Midland – not just seniors who use it are fired up about it. And I think that's great. I think Midland is getting a lot more engaged. We are notoriously low, like voter turnout. And I think even just seeing the pool that I'm running and there's five of us, all of which, all of whom are under 40 years old, plus or minus, we're all just excited. Like we love Midland. We're all buying in. Senior Center is a great resource Again, we expect the people who run the senior centers to work magic with nothing. Government at work, you know, they're starting the evaluation to tell us what we know that our senior center locations at Washington Park and at in the old mall are not big enough for what we use. And they're also kind of out of the way. You know, it's a I think there's very much a. Uh, if you don't see it, you forget about it. Yeah, my problem with this, the senior center at the old mall is it's like we're ashamed of it. Yeah, it's it's hidden. I mean, yeah, it's hard to you explain to people where to go. And it's and, not well marked. Yeah, and the parking lot's horrible. And it's it feels kind. Of, if you're there after dark, it feels. I mean, yeah, you know, a perfect world. You know, there's the perfect world answer, and then there's what's what's feasible. 
there's a lot of momentum behind it. So, so things will start to move at a really slow governmental pace. Um, don't get me wrong. But I really want senior center downtown. I love downtown. You know, everyone is, especially District 3, because downtown's in the district, really is big on fired up on revitalized downtown. I just also think, like, when you're downtown, you can see city council, like the city building. I mean, it's really hard for the city to forget you when they have to look out a window and see you. And if there's an Easy Rider hub down there, too. There is, yeah. and that's great. And we're, we're going to put bathrooms there. Oh, nice. Yeah, the bus drivers are really excited. <laughs> but the senior center. And again, things really move faster when there's a bunch of partnership, public, private, nonprofit, because the government does not move fast. But it knows exactly which form you need to fill out in which order, and it can get some money that you know nonprofit or profit don't necessarily get. Whereas the for profits and nonprofits move faster, they're able to get things done and bring lots of diverse people together to solve solutions. Um, I don't have any concrete plans, to be completely frank. My dream is bring it downtown. Step one, there's plenty of space, and there's some great stuff you could do and make it fully ADA accessible. Make it you know double wide door, uh, just all the stuff that like the senior centers don't have now that. You know, you slap your forehead that they don't have. The last question that's been in the, that I was going to ask about that's been in the news recently and looking at your district, you have some great parks in your district. The last proposal, and I don't think it included any parks in your district, but was adding Wi-Fi. I like going to parks, so I'm not on my I just switched from a flip phone. Oh, yeah. Um, that's so funny. So I'm on Keep Millen Beautiful. I've applied every single year since I moved back to be on the Parks and Recreation Board with the city. I'm not cool enough for that club, but I really believe in like the value of open space. The problem Midland has a lot of times is we we throw a, a an undeveloped piece of land together and call it a park. There's no trees. There's no, nothing. I was at a, a, a thing on Saturday for Keep Millen Beautiful, and we were talking about like trees and how they affect your health. So – Cities with more trees, more shade, actually instances of like cardio, cardiac, like heart attacks and stuff go down, like measurably go down now. Causation, correlation, you can have how many, I'm going to say that's for sure because of the trees. When you have nice parks in your neighborhood, they do actually affect your home values, which opens up a whole can of worms about your appraisal, but we can ask that in a sec. Wi-Fi in parks is not the smartest way to, in my opinion, focus on the parks and to invest in the parks. Well, were you surprised? I was surprised that wasn't one of the, a, a partnership with a public entity. Well, and it's, it's I mean, like, a private I think it's entity, like the 5G sorry. cities and all that stuff. Yeah. It's a really nice idea, but that's, I feel like that's like when you go to the airport and log on their, their Wi-Fi and that's when your ID gets stolen. That's really what I think of when you have these like really easy to access Wi-Fi networks is like they're bad people in the world who are going to take advantage you know, I'm just sitting there trying to f upload my Google Maps and they're, you know, stealing my social security number. I'd really rather see – we actually have pretty good coverage with like AT&T and Verizon in town. We do. I mean, I'd really rather see that money spent on some other trees. I think you'll notice our parks, the trees are all older. A lot of them are reaching the end of their expected life. What's that park on, on Mid-Kiff? 
like Graphoparis with, with the, the willows, with the, the weeping, weeping willows. Yeah, Grapha. Uh-huh. So Grapha, it's, Grapha, it's yeah. um, those weeping willows have a estimated life about 40 years. I think they were planted 38 years ago. Mm-hmm. When we lose them to the next ice storm or whatever, we lose them all. I'd like to see us put in other plants so like when a tree dies, like there's, you don't start over from scratch. replacing yeah. them, yeah. And then there's parks that have zero one of my favorite parks in town, weirdly, and now I'm blanking on the name. It's So I'm blanking on the name, and it's very embarrassing, and as soon as I leave, it'll come back. But there's a park between A and Big Spring on Neely. It's really heavily used. It's a, There's a lot of, like, apartments, duplexes and stuff. People don't have a lot of space right there. It backs up right to how, to some houses, though, mm-hmm. on is it Pine, not Pine, one of those yes, streets. But it backs up to houses. But – it's got like four trees in the dead middle of the park. It has a shade structure that gets broken a lot because it's really low. And it's got kind of a track around it. Right? Yeah. I know what you're walking. talking about. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. But yeah. it's really used. There's nowhere to sit. I mean, it's got really nice metal playground equipment. So on a nice cool day, you can. Okay. Good thing about that park. You ready? Uh, it's good for like soccer practices, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah, f- there yeah. aren't. Well, if you're the one playing soccer, but if you're watching, you might want some shade. Well, yeah, I'm just saying. No, it's got a feel. I mean, you can. <laughs> I don't just... even play soccer. I've just seen it. <laughs> I mean, it's a really heavily used park. That park has been there. Really, I'm old and it's been there a really long time and it's never looked any different mm-hmm. than it looks right now. And it's in District 3. So I'm very biased. I love that. I drive past it to get roses and basically half my meals. Like I said, I, I do eat out sometimes, but I love that park. I love that it's used. I mean, Faskin Park, it's used all the time now. Like I really noticed the age in Midlands come down because people are always walking past my house, like young families to go play, you know, do stuff. And people use the parks more than I remember using them as a child. And I think I'd rather use the Wi. Back to the original question. I'd rather use the Wi-Fi money to, I mean, plant trees, keep milling beautiful plants, trees for nothing i mean not saying keep melon beautiful needs to do it they got a full calendar but it doesn't cost that much to plant trees and to put the infrastructure the water in place to plant them but the benefit makes the park look nice it looks like you're invested in it it gives you shade so no i'm not really super supportive of wi-fi in parks would you consider what do you think about cities that have like citywide free wi-fi I'll, those cities are cool I mean, anytime I don't have to pay for something, I like it. Don't get me wrong. But well, and there's you're some people to... who are priced out of yeah. of internet service in no. our community. Absolutely. I just feel like if the city started providing something like that, they'd find a way to get there. Like the city's not going to give it to you just for free out of the goodness of their heart. They'll probably, you know, there'll be like, oh, a surprise, not optional fee on your, you know, like water a, bill. Like a utility. Or, yeah. yeah. I just don't know how secure it is. And at the end of the day, like, I can't go to Target without getting my identity stolen. I really don't want my city to be the one stealing, you know. I think it's a neat idea. I think it works. It's really cool on towns with, like, a really vibrant city square. You know, like, a really a city central, and it's kind of more densely populated. Like, think, like, North Carolina or, like, New England. We just don't really have a – with the Bush Convention Center and the new Centennial Park that might – start happening but i mean how think how big our city is yeah we're pretty spread out okay so we're gonna wind things up real quick you mentioned that you like to eat out we do what are a couple of your favorite places in midland 
Hmm. Depends on what mood I'm in. I stick within the loop for the most part. I, for a long, I think it took me three years once I moved back to actually drive on the loop again. I was very, I was very proud of that. I was like a little hipster about it. I just, I don't, I remember when they put it in, and I remember there was nothing there. Yeah. And it's we like it just, I, I was gone long enough. Midland like really blew up, and I came back. And there's like, I feel like I need a passport to go to the new. I call it the new, the Grande Stadium. Mm-hmm. I still remember like playing the Angels on La Mesa. There's some oh man, I like it's Midland. I mean, there's all sorts of great places. Have you ever been to Pacho's Tachos or whatever it's called on Florida and Big Spring? No, but it sounds amazing. It's great. You know, locally owned. I, I like to tr- I try to support local stuff. Yeah, District Three is downtown, and there's a lot of locally owned stuff. Near there downtown. is. I really like Opal's Tables. Like, it's. I feel like Midland doesn't do a whole lot of like clean. Like, f- I haven't gone to like Fresh for food or any of those places, so <laughs> I'm very biased, but. I feel like that's – like I had lunch at Cancun Grill today, which is great, but it's also heavier. Like Opal's table feels a little lighter. It makes your wallet a lot lighter uh, for <laughs> sure. I always was a fan of La Bodega because mm-hmm. I just – who else puts carrots on their nachos? It's yummy. <laughs> right? I mean it just – I've never been anywhere where there are carrots Very on Very unique and raisins in your, uh, in right? your chili rellenos. Right? And then um, always been a fan of that. The bar, the brunch food there, the problem with the bar is you smell like it for a very long time. But I think it's got a great outdoor patio area. What else? What's the um, Taco Divino? Mm-hmm. My only problem with it is it's cash only. And I have a special hole in my pocket that cash always falls out of, I swear. And my biggest fear in life is I show up, I order a bunch of food, they start making it, and I don't have enough cash. Mm-hmm. And I hate having to pay to get my own money, so I hate ATM fees. Boy, I could go on. Look at me. I could go on. <laughs> Those are my top couple. Don't get me wrong. I always like Chick-fil-A. Cool. Uh, put, yeah, put always. Put a big one on Always. There. Um, so is there anything else that you want to talk about or anything that you want to say to our listeners before we head out? There's a lot of stuff. I get, um, I'm accessible. I love Midland. I'm here till I die. I hope that's a very, very long time. I, I think it's a great community. I'm, I'm super excited to even have the opportunity at 26 to, to run for a city office. I think the opportunities are in Midland. There's so much buy-in by people. I think it's just a great community. And that's something that now I've lived elsewhere and stuff is not everywhere. Um, I think the people really care. I have to say, like, I'm not taking a public stance on the the school bond because my vote for that is the same. It counts the exact same as everyone else's. It's it's one vote. It's a school board thing. But just seeing how fired up people are, both for and against it, is really great. I mean, when's the last time we saw this many people fired up for a bond? Like, look at TRE. I think, what, 6,000 people total voted? I love Midland. God, there's just so many great things about the place, but it all comes down to community. I'm super excited to serve. Uh, open. Oh, early voting starts October 21. Early voting locations are Centennial Library, which is on the loop, Manor Park, Cowden Clubhouse, obviously the County Annex, and then I think there's one more. Oh, um, the Cogdell Learning Center on Florida. Then official voting day is November 5th, and I hope, you know, I'm asking everyone for their vote. I hope they vote for me. If they don't, don't tell me. 
but I just would love, I mean, more than anything for everyone to vote. So that's great. There are a lot of you, but we hear it's a plural. We've asked that question. There are a lot of you. I don't see her. There will not be a runoff. No, there will not. So it'll be decided on November 5th. It can be decided by one vote. I mean, mm-hmm. when Charlotte Hodgkiss re- ran last time against Spencer Robnett, she won by 27 votes. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes you think your vote doesn't matter. In this vote ca- for a district In this race. case, it does. Definitely. So, so please vote. You'll be getting mailers from me and probably everyone else. Might have my phone number on it, so feel free to call. And You might be getting some phone calls as a bad Easy Rider now that people know that you're Please, on that Please, I love Easy Rider. All right. I'll ride it with you. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for joining us for Tall City Elections, a presentation of the League of Women Voters and the Recording Library of West Texas.